Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Do you know what I use to record these podcasts? It's Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or a computer. It's all really, really easy. It's all really intuitive. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome to Sports and Other But Sports with Kent Sterling for Thursday, March 19th, 2020. Brought to you by the great people at Today's Dentistry. Call 317-849-2933. Dr. Mike O'Neill, the best dentist I've ever gone to. The only dentist I ever will go to. Again, 317-849-2933. We're going to divert from sports because there's really nothing to talk about in the world of sports. Today would have been the opening day of the NCAA tournament, which is the best day on the sports calendar. We did get some news from the IHSAA that the state basketball tournaments have been canceled. We knew that that was coming. There isn't going to be any more school this year. They're talking about, you know, May 1st as the window now, but we know that that's going to be kicked down the road a little bit, and there's no way that those tournaments were going to be played. Uh, So that's the news. And that's that. But let's talk about sports media and about media in general. I, I've been in media for a long time, and, and I think that I can help people. There are, there are people at Indiana University who send me notes, uh, DMs, or emails from time to time, and other schools, and they ask for me to listen to their air checks, right? They do play-by-play, or they're doing shows, and they want some feedback, from a a source that knows what he or she is talking about. And I'm that. I've been a program director for a long time. I was a talent myself, a host. I've done play-by-play. I've done lots of stuff, so I know things. And, And I've hired really, really good people into the business, guys like Michael Grady, who's now with the Yes Network, Dan Dockage with ESPN and 107.5 The Fan, um, counseled dozens of others, and and so it, I know from where I speak here with sports, I, I believe I know what I'm talking about. With media, I know what I'm talking about. And so if you want to get into media, what I'd like to do for the next few minutes is kind of tell you what you need to do to make that happen. If you're going to go into play-by-play, here's the skill set that you need. You need to be verbally adroit. There's no question about that. Be able to describe what you were watching. 
and be able to memorize names. There is some, some uh, a little bit, I mean, you've got to have some kind of sense. You've got to have an ability to describe things. Certainly that requires an amount of intellect. But what you've really got to be able to do is you've got to be able to listen. You've got to be able to do two things. Number one, you've got to be able to talk, and you've got to be able to listen. You need to be able to do those things simultaneously. If you can both perform and produce simultaneously, you can make money in the business of doing play-by-play. You can also be a good news talk host if you can do those two things simultaneously. If you can't do those things simultaneously, you're going to have a tough time unless you one-man bandit. If you're just one guy and you're going to call the game or one woman and you're going to call the game, you can go ahead and do that without being a great listener. But one thing you've got to be able to do too, even if you don't have a partner, you have to be able to listen to yourself and kind of self-audit. Understand what you have said. Understand when you last said things like the score, the last time you gave the score. You need to be able to do that. You need to be able to understand when silence is your friend and you really don't need to talk. Young broadcasters in doing play-by-play, they always think they need to be saying stuff. They, it's like they're being paid by the word. You're not being paid by the word. You're there as a companion who is helping somebody understand what's going on during a game, but what they primarily want, they want the score and they want the time remaining. That's the, that's the primary part of the job. That's job A. Score, time remaining, or the inning, and then other stuff. Uh, some people like Pat Hughes with the Chicago Cubs, what he's always tried to do in, in his own admission is host a radio show that kind of is focused on a, on a baseball game. So that's what Pat Hughes does. Different guys do it in different ways. Different women do it in different ways. If you're going to do play-by-play and you're going to do it like at the level of a Jason Benetti, Your focus has got to be to make your analyst sound really, really smart and put that person in a position to succeed. And I don't think anybody does that better today than Jason Panetti with Dan Dockich in college basketball and then with Steve Stone on Chicago White Sox baseball. I could give a damn less about the Chicago White Sox. I was raised a Cubs fan. The Sox, we pitied right when I was a kid. And that's from a Cubs fan. We pitied the White Sox. I still feel that way about the White Sox. Even in 2005, when they won the World Series, I was like, yeah, but they play in that awful ballpark and, you know, their uniforms are hideous. They're the White Sox. They had the Black Sox scandal in in 1919. This is just an awful franchise. That's the way I view the White Sox. But I'll watch White Sox baseball on NBC Sports Chicago because of Jason Benetti and Steve Stone. Steve Stone is the best analyst in the game, and Jason Benetti knows exactly how to bring out the best in Steve Stone. And at the same time, he absolutely understands what he needs to do. What is his job? Same thing with Dan Dockage in college basketball. Jason Benetti, there is nobody, and this includes Mike Tirico, nobody has made Dan Dockage sound better than Jason Benetti. He listens. He was on the Dan Dockett show today, and, and I was in there and, and participating to an extent, but like Dan and Jason need my help to be entertaining. Are you kidding? So anyway, Jason Benetti is really, really smart and a really good listener and is genuinely amused by what he hears out of Dan's mouth. He likes Dan, and he enjoys what Dan has to say. What does that mean? 
That means that it's a great cue. Why is that a plus, really? It's a great cue for you as an audience member to know that what Dan is saying is amusing or is stimulating and provides perspective on basketball that you wouldn't have gotten otherwise. If you want to be an analyst, right? If you want to be an analyst, you got to do something else. You got to do what Dan did. Like Dan coached basketball for what? Either played or coached for 27 years in the college game. You've got to go do that. You've got to develop an expertise that makes what's happening in the game second nature to you. And I'll tell you a couple of, of Dan Dockage stories, all right? Dan and, uh, and I went up to Madison, Wisconsin. Dan was nice enough to say, why don't you come up to Madison with me? He was going to do a Wisconsin-NC State game, and I think that this was in 2010. So we drive up to Madison, and uh, he, you got to be there for ESPN the night before the game. So we go to the hotel bar, and we're going to drink the perfect amount of beers. That's three beers. And we had that conversation as we watched the game. Dan focused on the game, which was um, uh, Illinois and North Carolina. And he watched about three possessions in either way. And he said, here's what's going to happen this game. Uh, North Carolina is going to win, and it's going to be by this score. And there you go. And, and I said, how do you know that? And he said, well, watch Dimitri McCamey. McCamey is playing defense in the middle of the defense. He's like in, in the middle of the, right at the free throw line in the middle of the floor. And he's kind of spinning in circles. He doesn't know who to guard or what North Carolina is doing. And Dan goes, McCamey's lost. That, that uh, Bruce Weber isn't going to be able to figure that out. And so North Carolina is going to win by this score. He was exactly right. I don't think he missed it by a point. That's what he gets. He can watch a very small period of time, watch all 10 guys at once, and know exactly what's happening and what's going to happen. Um, Rick Venturi, same way. I used to sit up in the Edward Jones Dome when we both lived in St. Louis. Rick was a host of uh, uh, like Big Easy and the Coach or whatever the show is called on 101 ESPN, and I was the program director. And Rick, to me, is fascinating because Rick knows everything about the National Football League. And, and about football. So I would sit next to Rick, and Rick would watch. And we had these little replay gadgets, right? These little video replay things where he could go back a play and show me exactly what happened and why. And so we're watching, and he's like, oh, my God. On a punt return, I'm watching the ball. Rick's watching everything but the ball. And he sees a guy, I think his name is Ben Heater. And, and Heater is on punt coverage, unblocked, he takes a left turn and he dives on the turf. It's like, watch this. He saw that live. Like, people don't do that. He can see all 11 matchups on a football field and understand what's going on. You've got to develop that kind of expertise, and you can only do that by living it 20 hours a day like Dan did and like Rick did. Dan's fascinating. Dan, I'll tell you another story about Dan, and this is what makes him great. And I've told this story before, so if you've heard it, I apologize. But we're at Game 7 of the National League Championship Series in Chicago at, at Wrigley Field in 2003. This is the night after the Bartman deal. All right? And so Kerry Wood is on the mound for the Cubs in the top of the first. And I, I think Juan Pierre got a triple, and then another guy gets on. And so I think the Marlins are leading one nothing. And Pudge Rodriguez comes to the plate with Miggy Cabrera on deck. And at that point, Cabrera was like 19. And so there's Pudge, and Pudge is raking in this series. 
All he's doing is getting base hits. And so Dan leans over to myself and the great Paulie Balst, who hooked us up with the tickets, and he says, boys, I don't know anything about music, and I don't know the arts. I know sports, and I'm telling you right now that Kerry Wood needs to hit Pudge Rodriguez in the ribs. This is the top of the first when guys are on, and, you know, if you get behind against the Marlins, 3 nothing, 4 nothing, you know, it's lights out, you're all done, right? This game's seven. And, and I looked at him and I said, why? Why, why would you think that? And uh, like, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And he said, here's, here's what I'm telling you. Pudge Rodriguez is raking, right? And so he's going to get hit anyway. And you've got Miguel Cabrera on deck in a game seven to go to the World Series. And he's about to piss himself. So you hit Pudge and you show Cabrera that he needs to be aware of something other than hitting a damn baseball as he comes to the plate. That's going to put on top of the level of tension that he's already dealing with. This brings another level of tension to him, and that's why they need to hit Pudge Rodriguez. And I I said, this sounds crazy. So Rodriguez, of course, gets a base hit. Cabrera comes to the plate, boom, hits a home run, right? So I look at Dockich like he's some kind of soothsayer, and he looks at me and says, boys, I don't know music. And I don't know the arts. I know sports. And he sure as hell did. And what Dan Dockich also can do is tell a good story. So he, he can do that. And if you can't do that, you can't develop it. It's just the way it is. Anyway, those, those are two really interesting stories about Dan and how incisive he is. And so quickly he is that incisive. He understands things in a microsecond that it would take you watching an entire game on, on replay, in slow motion to pick up, he gets it in the instant. Because from 1981 through 1997, he was working for Bob Knight, going over tape every damn day, right? And then from that point until 2007, he was at Bowling Green coaching basketball. And then for another year, he was the director of basketball operations at Indiana. Basketball was his life. This is what he did. Rick Venturi, his life. It's what he did. John Madden, his life. It's what he did. That's what analysts do. That's how they get hired. So if you want to be an analyst, you can't be like George Costanza and think that you can rely on your ability to say clever things during a broadcast in order to get a job. You've got to actually know something about what you're talking about, and that is not easily acquired, all right? If it, so what, what we're talking about is how to get a job in media, and, and so let's talk about the educational aspect of this deal. Should you go to a media school. Like most schools have some kind of a sports media focus, if not a major, right? Where you can go and you can take classes in sports media or news media, news radio, sports radio, sports TV, all this stuff. Does it do you any good, right, to invest the money necessary to learn that stuff at a college? First of all, I don't think it really matters what you study. All right, so if you want to study sports media and that's interesting to you, study that because what you're doing in college is is you are in kind of a controlled space where you can really make mistakes, right? And you can you can learn responsibility in sort of a controlled environment. This is what you're doing in college. 
What you do educationally is kind of beside the point. But if you want to go into sports media, there is no reason whatsoever that you shouldn't major in English. That's a fine thing to major in. If you learn how to write, and, and majoring in English is a great way to learn how to write, learning to write is critical. You've got to be multi-talented, right? You've got to be multi-dimensional as you go for media jobs. Look at Kevin Bowen, all right? Works at 107.5 The Fan here in Indianapolis. Worked for the Colts before that. He is an adroit writer. He can talk. He studies the game he covers, and he covers football principally. That's what he does. There is no reason that he couldn't have studied English and now been able to do that. And he might have become, I don't even know, maybe he did study English. But if you study English, I think you're going to become a better writer than if you study journalism. Maybe you already know how to write. So if you do, study history. Learn about things. Write. Always be learning. Always Because you never know as a broadcaster if or when what you learn is going to be applicable. You know, given where we are right now in the midst of the coronavirus, if you were a history major, maybe you would have some interesting nuggets about the pandemic in 1918, right? Or the swine flu scare in 1977 or 1976, whenever the hell it was. That would be interesting. You could bring that to the party to talk about the coronavirus. The more you learn, the more interesting you're going to be. The more you learn, the more you'll have proven yourself to be a good listener. And that's the point, right? If you listen well, you can be a broadcaster. If you have interesting things to say, and you're curious enough to listen to the people you're with say interesting things, there you go. You've got something. Being interested in what you have to say is like that's base level. If you can't do that, you have no chance in the business. So don't try to acquire it, okay? And that's true with play-by-play guys too. Either you got it or you don't. You know, I and I can tell Greg Rakestraw and I, we were the judges at the University of Indianapolis for a play-by-play competition. Also, there were there were some other focuses in broadcasting that that had kind of entries into these contests, but Greg and I were doing the play-by-play. And Greg and I, when we heard one of the guys, one of the entrants, both of us looked up at the speaker. If you look at the speaker, if you're, if you're judging, let's say you're a program director and you're listening to tapes, audition tapes, you know what that means. You hear something great, your eye goes to the speaker. If you hear something that doesn't cut through, you start thinking about something else. What am I going to have to dinner or for dinner? Did my wife have a good night's sleep? Is she happy in our marriage? Is my kid going to get an A in history? You're thinking about all this other stuff. You know, you're not thinking about what that person is saying. And it takes two seconds. And that's it. And when you hear it done right, your eyes go to the speaker and you're like, man, that dude can work or that woman can work. It's that quick and it's communicated that easily. All right. If you got it, you got it. If you don't, it is really, really hard to get. I'll tell you another story about Mark Boyle. Mark Boyle has been the voice of the Indiana Pacers on the radio for more than 30 years. He was hired in Indianapolis to be the voice of the Pacers before he turned 30. That was, that was the, uh, the, the age 
at which Mark was going to get out of the business. If he didn't have a major league job in some sport as a play-by-play guy by the age of 30, he's going to hang it up because what's the point? If you can't get the job by the time you turn 30, my God, who are you? What are you? I'm getting out of here, and I'm going to make money somewhere else. He got hired a few months before he was 30, and then he did some research to find out how old everybody else was with an NBA job. And they were all much older than 29 years old. Mark was like, oof, right under the wire. Or, you know, I'd have quit a business that obviously it takes much longer to get into than I was willing to give myself. Mark Boyle didn't go to college. That's not for everyone. Mark Boyle, maybe genetically, maybe through his his experiences at home, his dad, a terrific play-by-play guy. First guy that Dick Vitale ever had for a partner on ESPN was Mark Boyle's dad. So Mark Boyle kind of, and you see that from time to time. Joe Buck is the son of Jack Buck and, and the carries from Harry to Skip to Chip. You know, they've kind of passed down the torch. And, and so maybe there's some, uh, some heredity involved, you know, and, and maybe it's just being around a house that is exceptionally verbal and, and listening to your dad do work, right? And because you hear your dad do it, you tend to be really good at it. You know, you're exposed to it at a, like Pete Townsend, right? Pete Townsend's dad was a saxophone player professionally. And so Pete Townsend was surrounded by music as he was, you know, zero years old until he left his house. I mean, music was everywhere. So he has a keen, innate understanding of music. This is the same thing with broadcasting. You either got it or you don't. Now, if you want to get into talk radio, you want to get into TV. TV's a completely different skill set, right? You never need to be spontaneous in, in TV. You can get away being on TV just performing, You can do that. But on the radio, you need to behave. And what I mean by that, not behave, you know, you you better not swear, although you better not anyway. But you need to behave and convey your essence in an authentic way. You need to talk about what's relevant, and you need to be authentic in presenting that relevance. And if you can do that, then you've got an opportunity to be really good at talk radio, and everybody who's getting into media today, you better be good at everything. If you're on the TV, you need to be good on the radio. If you're on the radio, you need to be a good writer, and if you're a writer, you need to be good on TV and on the radio. I do a thing every morning called Breakfast with Kent, and it's a video thing. It's live on Facebook Live. Then I do a second one on Periscope, so it populates on Twitter. Then I do a third one that's shorter because uh, I, I put it on YouTube. TV and the YouTube link I put on my website, kentsterling.com. I do that. I started doing that because I needed to get better at it. And the only way that I get better at stuff is by doing that thing. All right. I cannot read a book. Like if you, if you said, here's a book on how to change oil in a car, I could not read the book and then go change the oil. I couldn't do it. What I need to do, like if we get, let's say, a piece of furniture, like a bookcase that needs to be assembled, I need to take all the pieces, lay them out, and decide how I believe they need to be assembled, 
And then I can look at the directions and through the context I developed through laying all the the stuff out and deciding how I would put it together, then all of a sudden I've got an understanding and a context that allows me to perform that task. All right, that's complicated, right? It, It ain't easy living in my head. I got to tell you the truth, but I do know that the only way I get better at something is by doing it. And so that's what I did. I just started doing these videos every morning. So I had an idea of how to talk to a camera and, and make it seem like that camera is a friend because that I've been told is the key to being on television. So that's what I did. And so if I go on TV with Dave Griffiths or the great Chris Hagan or Charlie Clifford or somebody like that here in town in Indianapolis, I kind of know what I'm doing a little bit because I do it every day three times. And then in the afternoon, I do this. You know what? I've got a little sure microphone that plugs into the ass end of my iPhone, and I talk about things. Normally, it's about sports. Today, it's about media. And why do I do this? Because I was on the radio for five years. And for five years, I got better at doing radio. I don't want to backslide. I don't want, if somebody says, hey, Kent, we'd like you to do a show. You know, if, if, if somebody says, come on, do a show. I don't want to have to think, okay, what I do a year ago when I was doing this every single day for three hours, how, how did I do this? I'm going to be fine because every single day, by 3 o'clock or shortly thereafter, here we go. So I've been on the Dan Dockett show the last four days, and I'll be on again tomorrow, and it's really fun. These are tough times, right? So it's all hands on deck. I love the radio station. I was a part of its launch. I love Dan. Uh, Dan, I hired into the business, and, uh, and actually, I shouldn't get uh, almost any credit for it. All I did was believe he'd be good at it. He called me. And said, hey, I, I want to do uh, I want a radio show. Because I had told him years before, and I've known Dan for more than 30 years, I said, you'd be a great radio host. You ever want a job in radio, you call me. And I happened to have an opening at that moment because we were going to punt Colin Cowherd. He was on ESPN radio, and people in Indianapolis just hated his ass. So he had to go. And we were, we were like vetting guys or, or women who might fit in, in that time slot. And Dan called, and it fit like a glove. I was like, this is perfect. This is absolutely the guy. I went to Tom Severino, who is our general manager, not to go off on this Dan Dockage tangent. And uh, I, I told Tom, I was like, Tom, I got the guy. It's Dan Dockage. Dan had been an intern for Tom at Wire Radio here in Indianapolis. And more importantly, a few months prior, he had been kind of the featured speaker at a preseason dinner event at Assembly Hall. So, and it was a kind of a a tip-off dinner with Kelvin Sampson. I think they had Wayne Radford as a speaker. And then Dan, and Kelvin said like two sentences, Not not a real social guy. Right, not a guy who's very comfortable, uh, you know, spinning yarns, uh, stories for for people at a dinner like this one. And so they had Radford talked for a minute, and then up came Dan. And Dan, for about 45 minutes, was tremendous. And this might have been a pain in the ass for Dan, right? But because he did that, I didn't have to sell Tom at all. 
on the notion of Dan Dockich doing a radio show on 1070 The Fan. It was 1070 then, and it's still on 1070, but it's also on 107.5 FM, so they call it 107.5 The Fan. That's fine. Anyway, that made it easy because Dan said yes, right? It's another good uh, Dan story, And, and this is how you get hired places. You say yes to anything. Dan said yes to doing a Butler game, being the analyst. And so that Butler game is going, and I think it's the first game that Dan ever did. Some guy down in Charlotte who hires all the analyst talent for ESPN happened to stumble on that game on the dish. And it was like, who in the hell is this guy? Wow, is he good? And within 15 minutes after Dan was done with that game, he had Dan on his cell phone and, and was talking to him about working at ESPN. That's the way this works. You, you say yes to everything. All right, you say yes. Somebody says, hey, why don't you come speak? You say yes. Somebody says, hey, you want to do this game? You say yes. If you're serious about the business and serious about figuring out a way to get into it and get paid to do it, you say yes to everything. Dan said yes to everything. Anyway, uh, been on the show this last week, and what I understand and what I understood today, we've had Jason Panetti on twice, or Dan's had him on, and I'm sitting there, right? Well, I know they don't need any help from me to be entertaining. So what I need to do is listen, and then where applicable, if there is a need for some kind of level of spice, right, I can bring it. And, and that was fun today. And it's actually more difficult than being the primary host because you have to concentrate on when not to talk just as much as you concentrate on when to talk. But it's unbelievably fun. And and for people who think that working in media is fun, it is. It's all kinds of fun. But I can tell you this about working in media too. From day to day to day to day, you don't know whether you're going to have a job tomorrow and when something like this coronavirus happens, all right, and people... They, they start cutting budgets. When you hear the commercials on a radio station, each of those commercials is purchased from, from the radio station to convey a message, right? They're trying to sell something, whether it's a car or a hamburger or a bottle of pop or plumbing uh, services or HVAC services or whatever. Whatever it is, people are trying to get you to call them in order to move whatever product or service they have. That's how it works. And, and so in a time of tumult like this, people aren't thinking about getting their furnace inspected, right? People aren't thinking about, oh, geez, I got to buy a lawnmower. Though they're thinking, hey, I got to get my car washed. These aren't things that pop into your head as a primary concern, right? You're thinking, hey, what am I going to do with my kids, like, my kids aren't going to go to school for the next, for, uh, until August, right? So what are we going to do with them? And do I have a job today, tomorrow, the next day? When that happens, the thing that businesses do is they, they pull their marketing first. Because they don't want to fire people. So they pull their marketing. That means they pull their money. That means that companies need to figure out, okay, what the hell are we doing? How long is this going to last? Do we need to trim our budget? Budget trimming used to mean you cut your marketing budget. What it means today is you cut your staff. 
So you don't know from one day to the next, depending on how things work in the world in that moment, you don't know whether you're going to have a job. That can be a bit of a pain in the ass, especially if you've got a family or you're planning on having a family. It's not an easy business to be in. The work, it ain't digging a ditch, right? It's fun. You can have a great time doing it. You need to be really, really good at it, and you need to work at it. If you work at it, it's going to pay off. It's just like school, man. And this is exactly the way hosting a radio show worked for me. And, and I completely subscribe to it. That if you've got a three-hour show, just like if you had three hours of classes in college, you need to work two hours for every hour you're going to be on the air. You need to figure out exactly what it is you want to talk about, and you need to know something about it. And if that means going to the Colts complex and talking to people, whether it's recording interviews or just talking to people or going to the Pacers or going to IU or Butler or Purdue or the Indians or the 11 or the Fuel or, or wherever, you've got to develop a unique perspective, and that takes time. And that time needs to be invested And if you don't do it, if you're going to rely upon your personality and your your verbal acumen, you aren't going to be in this business very long. I've known a lot of people in this business. And those who work, they make it. Those who don't, those are the people who bounce around and find another job every 18 months. And we had a guy like that on WIBC in the mid-90s named Bob Quessel. Bob came in like a house of fire. First week, he worked his ass off. Second week, less. By the sixth week, he was terrible. He was just making noises that didn't, didn't convey anything of interest to anybody. And so they put a co-host in with him. And the co-host and Bob, they didn't get along at all. And every other day, either Bob didn't want to go in the studio or Pat didn't want to go in the studio. Somebody didn't want to go in the studio. And it was just a complete train wreck because Bob didn't work. If you don't work, you're not going to work. If you do work, you got a chance. And that's what it's all about. Build your brand based on hard work and hope that your talent gets you in the door. And then with talent and hard work, you can craft a career. And it's really just about that simple. So there you go. You want to get into sports media or you want to get into media period? That's kind of the blueprint. And, and it's, it's different for every person. You want to get in, you got to fight your way in. You, you want to succeed, you got to continue to fight, and you've got to continue to overcome adversity because that's the only way to get it done unless you're an outlier. Even Rush Limbaugh. Rush Limbaugh worked in media relations for the Kansas City Royals, right? Goes to Sacramento as a radio talk host, and all of a sudden, kablooey. He gets a national show, and he explodes, He's the first guy following the abolition of the Fairness Doctrine to really get vitriolic on the radio and in his show. And he kind of broke the mold. He was the first one in. So there are outliers that you can point to and say, man, this guy does it great or this guy does that great. But what you've got to be in what makes Rush special and really virtually everybody who's in it special, they are themselves. They are authentic. Rush Limbaugh, authentic. Everybody who does this at a high level is authentic, and if they're not, they're going to wash out. So there you go. That's all I got about this stuff. Breakfast with Kent tomorrow morning, 8 on Facebook Live, 8.15-ish on Periscope and Twitter. 
Of course, my Twitter handle is Kent Sterling if you want to watch. And then on YouTube and KentSterling.com at about 8.30, it's what we do and we do it every day. We're disciplined about it because we work at it and we enjoy it. If you enjoy what you work at, you never work a day in your life, right? That's what radio is. But you got to be able to put up with the bad and the good. It's what TV is, too. We'll talk to you tomorrow morning, 8 o'clock, brought to you by the great people at Today's Dentistry, 317-849-2933. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.